You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello, welcome to another episode of The Worship Review. Of course, that's what this is, the podcast which evaluates the songs that we sing in church, We try to do that in a charitable way, but we're also critical and careful about the way that we think about the words that we sing. And I am Colin. I am a history professor and part-time podcast host, I guess you could say, like most other people in the world these days. (laughs) And I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler. Tyler, what say you about yourself? I am an all-around fun guy, a linguist, uh used to play in a church and definitely love music. I love words. I love thinking about words, their meanings, their histories, and what it looks like when we put words together. You heard it here first, folks. My co-host is a mushroom, a fun guy. Yeah, I really took a liking to that pun. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Tyler and I are both fathers, so that's <laughs> why we are able to throw those out there so quickly. That was not rehearsed, I promise. Okay, this week we are looking at a song called The Blessing by Elevation Worship. Tyler, can you share some introductory or opening thoughts about this song? Yes, we are familiar with Elevation Worship on this podcast. It is the worship wing, the music wing of Stephen Furtick's church in Charlotte, North Carolina, Elevation Church. And this song's credited to Chris Brown, Cody Carnes, Carrie Job, and Stephen Furtick. So some names might look familiar here. This song, it is called The Blessing, and it's yeah. referring to a priestly blessing by um, Aaron. Uh, and it even includes the texts of that blessing. And then we have some affirmations of that blessing so the group saying amen amen and then extending it to a thousand generations and children and children's children again echoing some old testament language and then uh i think adding i would say adding to the blessing because it includes more clauses Mm -hmm. such as may his presence go before you Mm -hmm. etc and then uh some affirmations uh so we can see this in the in the verb forms rather than using subjunctive forms like may and um, be, we have something like he is for you. So an, an, yeah. an affirmation that God is a proponent of the, yeah. the singers or of the audience. In fact, I think more so here, it's, it's an audience because if you look at the live version of this song, they even emphasize that people are to be receiving this, to yeah. open their hands, to acquire and receive and enjoy this blessing more than take part in it. Now, of course, people are taking part in it too and singing along, but more than perhaps any other song we've seen by Elevation Worship, there's a a real, uh, it's not an impermeable wall, but there is some kind of barrier set up between the performers who are uttering the blessing and the audience who are receiving the blessing. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, and I I think we, we should talk about that. You also mentioned in the live version 
or you also mentioned the live version, and then you you talked about the authors. One of the things that Carrie Job says in the live version is how they all kind of got together with Pastor Furtick, and they. And she says this, she got casually mentions, and after a few hours, we had like, you know, seeking God's presence after a few hours, we came up with this blessing or we felt God spoke to us. And I was thinking like, wow, like I wonder what they were doing for a few hours. We got together with Pastor Chris and Pastor Stephen on Thursday to just go in after the presence of God and try to pen lyric and melody and After a couple of hours, it just felt like the presence of God just stopped everything. And we wrote a song called The Blessing. And it's straight from scripture. And it's the heart of the Father over us as his kids. And we're gonna sing it this morning if that's okay. And this is a blessing over you and your family and your children. So just receive this this morning. Just put your hands out in front of you, turn your heart to a place of just receiving the blessing of heaven from God himself over you this morning. I don't know. Have like, you ever had a songwriting session with a band or anything like no, that? No, I mean, it must have, hours. I wonder what that could have, I wonder what that must have been like. So they, they took a few hours and then they settled on this passage of scripture maybe and created a song out of it. And then, yeah, the the video has them yeah, giving it like a benediction almost. Like these are the Aaronic blessing or the priestly blessing, however you want to call it, is proclaimed in churches all over the world every week. I mean, it's it's uh, it was said in Israel every day, I think, if I remember correctly. So, and on special occasions as well. So this is a, a really well-used passage and... Uh, as we kind of get into the lyrics, I think one of the things that folks will notice, especially if they turn to number six, 24 through six, is that it it appears almost verbatim in this song. So we have the first verse or the first stanza, we might call it. Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you. And be gracious to you, the Lord face toward you and give you peace. The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thoughts, Tyler? Yes, quite a few as you mentioned, this is directly from the Old Testament. It is um, what God told Moses to tell Aaron right. to tell the people, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> so it, number 6, 22 through 27, I'll just read it. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. So it, this first verse is a reiteration of yeah. those lines, almost word for word. Mm-hmm. Um, and What translation were you just reading from, Tyler? That was NIV. Okay. I think yeah, so some that, and that, other ones will use countenance instead of face. Yeah. Uh, lift up his countenance upon you as opposed to turn his face toward you. But that sounded exactly like what they go with. So they must have been using the NIV. Yeah. 
And there's, I think, a lot of subtlety in this blessing in and of itself. So we have something that might be a kind of confusing idea, the face of God being turned on us, shining on us, yeah. illuminating us. and Less confusing now, maybe. People might remember, if they're listening to this later, a time in our history globally when the face was deemed a, a threat. And so we had faces covered, m- many people. And so the the benefit of a face, the benefit of being able to see a face is something maybe that we take less for granted now. And so to have God's face shine upon us is a mark of familiarity and intimacy, as opposed to having God turn his face away, which some worship songs will talk about. We looked at the song, how deep the father's love for us, which talked about the father turning his face away. And then, or Psalm 22, which would later say, you, God does not turn his face away from his holy one. So the, I don't know if it, the right to see God's face or the promise of being able to see God's face, or maybe just the blessing, the blessing of seeing God's face is very special. It is not something to be taken for granted. Right, and there are many, many passages in Scripture, particularly in the Psalms, where the psalmist will cry out to God, do not hide your face from me. Yeah. Because he want, it's a symbol of, of God's good pleasure, yeah. that he would smile upon you, that he would look upon you. And in this, in this verse, we have the Lord bless you. Now, bless is kind of an interesting idea, because most literally it means to set apart or to consecrate, to hallow, to take something that is common and make it sacred. And if we think about that in a in a Christian perspective, it reflects our new identity in Christ, right? The old man is dead. We are dead mm. to sin and we are a new people and each of us is a new creation. And so when we utter the phrase, the Lord bless you, we are uttering a promise that um, has already been born out. Mm. We, we are blessed. And uh, we are looking with hope to the future where all of God's promises will come to fruition. Mm. And keep you. Keep is also an interesting idea because we no longer use this word. It's actually kind of strange that this is even in the NIV. And I think it's probably due to the uh, significance of this phrase over time that we still use the word keep here. Because it originally meant something more like a goalkeeper uh, or fall back to the keep, this kind of guard sense. Um, The goalkeeper is the one who guards the goal. And when we say the Lord bless you and keep you, we're not saying may he, you know, put you in his pocket or something like that. We're saying may he guard you, may he Mm -hmm. defend you and may he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. he is going to offer us his grace freely, which we do have in Christ. Yeah. Um, and he, I, I like that it is in three sets of two. It's actually a really elegant blessing because mm-hmm. we have bless and keep, face shine upon you and be gracious, turn his face toward you and give you peace. Oh, I so see. this last triad is mm-hmm. looking upon you. And what do we find out about what it means for God to look upon you? Well, it involves him giving us peace, yeah. giving us shalom. And uh, I like I like that this is not just mentioning scripture, 
but actually invoking a blessing that God gives to his people because God says in Numbers 6, 27, so they, meaning the priests, um, will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. And so even while Aaron and his sons are blessing the people, it's clear God is the real one blessing. Yeah. And the blessing that they are receiving is God's name set apart as um, his his people and his mm-hmm. children. Yeah, Aaron so, Aaron is a conduit as a priest for God's blessing, which of course it's even more remarkable for us to receive this blessing today because we receive the blessings of God unmediated, mm-hmm. right? We receive them directly from Christ himself. Mm-hmm. So it it's it's remarkable. There is one more thing I will say about this where uh, God says, so they will put my name on the Israelites. We miss this in a lot of, actually in pretty much all mainstream English translations. The Lord here is in Hebrew, the name of God. And so most English translations will write the Lord in order to not overuse it, I suppose, yeah. in order to keep it uh, hallowed. But really this would be Yahweh bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Yahweh turn his face towards you and give you peace. And so that's, we can kind of get the sense then why it is related to God putting his name on him. It really is a kind of a sacred binding of the name of Yahweh on this people. Okay. Makes sense. And then we have the chorus. (laughs) Uh, So Tyler, uh, amen, 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 amen. What are your thoughts? Amen, Colin. That was going to be my joke if it was the other way around. Perfect. (laughs) We have a terrible sense of humor. Uh, This is an expletive particle, meaning I agree or so be it in Hebrew and then later in Greek. It's also the last word in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, so be it. Amen. And we say it at the end of our prayers and it makes sense to say it at the end of a blessing, right? Because we receive a blessing and the people will say, so be it. Favor be upon you and a thousand generations, and your family, and your children, and their children, and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations, and your family, and your children, and their children, and their children. Okay, so we are continuing this. Uh, verbal mood, the subjunctive, where we have may his favor be upon you, as opposed to his favor is upon you. That would be the indicative mood, indicating something about reality. This is expressing a wish. It doesn't necessarily mean the wish is not fulfilled. It just means this is something that I desire. And so I desire that his favor would be upon you. I think this is perfectly in line with uh, what came before. Yeah. Make his face shine upon you. And be gracious to you. And then we extend it a thousand generations. And then as if that were not explicit enough, we name <laughs> your family and your children and their children and their children to kind of, yeah. I guess, riff on this concept. And this is very interesting because it is echoing some biblical language like yeah. we see in Deuteronomy 7. For sure. Um, know therefore, this is verse 9, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Yep. 
So that number, as you know, Colin, I'm sure our listeners know too, is not a literal number. It's not spe- specifically meant to refer to, well, the 1,001th generation yeah, is going to be messed up. It's rather a symbol of perfection, and it's a number so large that yeah. it's almost impossible to comprehend that many generations. That's right. An enduring blessing that will go on. It's as though saying into eternity without saying that. If you think about if a generation lasts about 30 years before people yeah. kind of reproduce, it's 30,000 years. Right. That's a lot of time for yeah. God's promises to last. Yeah. And it's, I don't think it's, I don't think the song is saying, um, you know, you are a, um, some kind of holy people whose children will necessarily be believers. Sure. I think because it's in the subjunctive mood, it's expressing a wish. May your children yeah. also have faith and may their children also have faith and may their children also have faith. And I think that's a very good desire. Yep. And these are things that that's in scripture too. I mean, there are Psalms which talk about, may you see your children's children. The, this is not a guarantee that you get to see your children's children, but it's that's a good thing to happen. And so it's right to say to someone, I hope that your children and all of your descendants are believers. You're not saying that they're going to be, but you're saying that it would be wonderful if that were the case. And may God do that. That's a good thing. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you. And this is what maybe you were talking about, Tyler, about this transition in mood from subjunctive to indicative. Yeah, it happens in this in this verse here. Uh, and we have all of these different uh, locative ideas, these location-based ideas before you, behind you, beside you, all around you. For listeners who can't see, I'm doing this with my hands. Um, You're indicating places. Within you. Right. (laughs) I have to do this with my students, actually, when I'm teaching. Because some German prepositions are really weird about um, whether you're on a thing or arriving at a thing or, you know, there are differences between like in and into or like with and within, like they're meaningful differences in some languages. Right. Right. Exactly. And they have consequences for, for example, case. So here we have, I think, uh, exposition on God's being with you because we see him being with us in many different senses in front of us, behind us. I think you can think about this, Physically, spatially, you can also think about it temporally. Yeah, uh, or metaphorically people, too. Or metaphorically, yeah. yeah. I was thinking in terms of time, there's some people who kind of leave a, a kind of saintly residue behind them whenever they leave. I'm not talking about something literal, but just when you're having a conversation with a really godly person and then they go off to do the next thing, you might still feel a kind of uh, subtle elation at having yeah. experienced their company. And I think... Uh, you know, that is due, I don't think, I know that is due entirely to the Holy Spirit indwelling that person and yeah. progressively saying them. not something magic about that person, no, no, no. but it's the fact that being with them, you you had an experience of God's presence. Right. Right. Um, and 
we learn that he is with you. This, this I think, is also from Deuteronomy, or at least there, there are many places where we could talk about our union with Christ, mm-hmm. but it's perhaps most explicitly uh, declared that God is with his people in Deuteronomy 31, when Moses is basically resigning, because God is telling him to resign, it says Joshua is going to take uh, you into the promised land, but then he says, be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Mm. This is, I think, the kind of promise that we're talking about here. Uh, with with the Holy Spirit indwelling us, uh, we have an indelible mark on us, and God is with us. He's before us, behind us, all around us, yeah. um, and we can be assured that we do not need to be afraid. Yeah, I, I really thought this was scriptural and a reasonable exposition of the blessing in light of the New Testament and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I think you don't have to believe in mystical things or charismatic things to recognize this as a scriptural verse that 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 it this does describe god's ongoing presence with the christian in many different ways in in a yeah and maybe what we might think of as like a metaphysical way but also in time in the body of christ in i mean they're just they're just a lot of um ways in which a christian experiences god's presence there are a lot of there are a lot of locations and a lot of modes in which God's in which the Christian experiences God God's presence, and I think all of these ideas that are in this stanza are true and good and right. There is one kind of nitpick something you said. You may. I think you said this doesn't have to be mystical or charismatic. Okay. I just want to make sure those to me are very different categories. Yes, that's true. Yeah, um, I, I mean those things as separate. I don't mean yeah. those as synonyms. Okay. Cool. Thank you for <laughs> just forcing me to clarify that. No, that's good. You worship reviewed the worship review. Good job. In the morning, in the evening, ain't we got fun? No, sorry. Uh, in your coming, in your going, in your weeping and rejoicing, he is for you. He is for you. Okay, so this, um, th- there's a lot of things that this reminded me of. Uh, but the first thing in the morning and in the evening, this is like the sun and the moon marking the times. This is, uh, it's not just specifically talking about these times of day, but it's using them kind of metaphorically to refer to perpetuity. Like, yeah. at all times, he is with you and he is for you. These are good key markers in the day. That, so to indicate God is always with you right. during the day. And it's part of God's covenant with Noah, too, to say, I'm going to set these things to mark mm-hmm. the times and the seasons. Um, in your coming and in your going, this this reminded me of um, the Shema in Deuteronomy 6. Uh, right after God says, hear, O Israel, he says, uh, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down. And when you get up. And so this coming and going, I think, is kind of implied here. When you, Whether you're at home or walking, um, um, you are to be impressing these commandments on your heart and upon, mm-hmm. upon others around you, including your children. 
Um, it also reminds me of a, of another blessing. Uh, may the Lord guard your um, going in and coming out uh, from this time forth and forevermore. In your weeping and rejoicing, so whether whether you have things to celebrate about or whether you have things to mourn, um, God is for you. I think this is from probably from Romans eight that that yeah. memory verse that I think pops up a lot. Um, if God is for us, then who could be against us? Rhetorical question. And it, it is true that God is for us in the sense that it is good for us to glorify God and he wants us to glorify him in our lives, in our bodies, in our actions. Um, and he is, when he advocates for us to give him glory and to live holy lives and upright lives and show love to one another, he is doing what is good for us. But I do think it is perhaps important in the context of this um maybe this church in particular, I don't mean to pick on Elevation Church, yeah. but kind of in, in American evangelicalism, just to be quite clear what we mean when we say he is for us. Um, we, we do know that the human being is sinful and needs correction. And there are some things that I might desire that are wrongly ordered, improperly yeah. ordered, and God is not for those things. And he is not for me if in the moment I'm, advocating for those things yeah um but it is true in in um in kind of the bigger scheme of things we can say like in psalm 118 6 the lord is on my side i will not fear what can man do to me right and i think that's really the sense that this verse is yeah. getting at i agree and i think we'll get to this as we get into conclusion concluding thoughts maybe but the challenge in my view with a song like this is not necessarily with its words, because these words really all come out of Scripture. I don't think there's anything, I mean, there's nothing in here that doesn't come out of Scripture, right? I mean, yeah. so par part of the evaluation then, you know, or one influence on my own evaluation of the song is the context. It, it is, who is this being sung to? Where is it being sung? In what manner is it being sung? Like you already mentioned, for example, just from the video, it's it's almost like yeah, there's this clear barrier, or the, I think that was the word that you used between the people singing it and the people receiving it. Now, I mean, in a sense that, that maybe that even isn't a problem because if you look at when this bless when the ironic blessing was given and the mode in which it was given, it was kind of like that. Aaron gives the blessing, the people receive the blessing, and when the ironic blessing is used in a, as a benediction, for example, in a, a Lutheran or Episcopalian or Presbyterian, you know, in a church where there is a formal benediction, it would be that way too. The, in fact, often a, the pastor would would raise his hands and the people would do exactly what was done in that service. They would put their hands out or put open their hands up as, as a way of showing that they receive this blessing as well. So it's a, I think this song presents us with a challenge, Tyler, that we haven't had on this podcast, and that is, what do you do with a song that is essentially Scripture, that is, in essence, just Scripture, or at least very close to it? Does that automatically mean that it crosses the threshold that we have for, you know, say, a, a three or a four or a five? No, and here's why. Um, 
something can be composed of scripture, but the scripture could be used in an improper way. It could be abused or misused, okay. ab- abused. And I don't think that's happening with this song, which is why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking theoretically it, right in now. In theory, you could say, um, okay, we're going to have a song here. We're going to have two verses from scripture. Here's one. Judas went and hanged himself. Here's another one. Now go and do likewise. Like, <laughs> okay, that's not a song sure. that we're going to sing in our sure. churches. And it's not a, it has, the components are all from, you know, a, a healthy source, but they're in such a way that when yeah. you combine them, it ends up being toxic. And so there's a kind of, I guess, stewardship or wisdom that goes yeah. into forming worship music that um, will use scripture in a responsible way, which I think this song does. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm, but I am glad that, you establish that because it can it can it can be the case that because a song uses a scriptural concept or scriptural language that that lends that song a kind of authority yeah. or a kind of trustworthiness that it and, may not actually deserve well and to be to be most specific um the word of God does carry authority and yes. songs that use it should know that and use it wisely. <laughs> right. right. Because to misuse divine yes. authority is a great yes. uh, error. And yes. it is something that God, I do not think is happy with. No, indeed. Let not many of you be teachers for <laughs> right. their judgment is greater. So this is, God is very explicit about this, even in a new Testament context that those entrusted with God's word, which is all of us, but certainly some, more so than others in some respects, uh, bear a responsibility. They should be careful, even podcast hosts. (laughs) That's true. No, that's true. And I would say maybe on a similar note, related note, evaluating a song that uses scripture is different than using our criteria to evaluate scripture because neither of us would ever (laughs) claim that we could uh, argue no, you know the jot and tittle of divine right. authorship. Scripture if that makes is, sense. is infallible, right? And uh, and we we dare not <laughs> we dare not question it for sure. So uh, having set, laid out some of those things, Tyler, um, what are some of your concluding thoughts about this song? This song is taking the text of a blessing, uttering it over a people, and encouraging them to receive it while optionally singing along that is a new form of worship music for this podcast i would yeah. say there aren't many songs that do that it does it in a responsible way and it i wonder if it stays from error by being so succinct i wonder if they had added a bunch more yeah. that if we would have more to nitpick we might have more problems with it yeah uh but as it stands it's it is it is what it is. It's uh, it's the ironic blessing, plus some ruminations on that that do not fall into mystical speculation. Yeah, you know we we do we when we looked at hymns, for example, or we've looked at other songs which had some great nugget in them, and then you know the the song was kind of poisoned a bit or tainted by extra bits. Maybe this represents a song where that didn't happen. You know, who knows what was on the chopping floor during that meeting between these celebrity worship leaders and a celebrity pastor, but they managed to produce a song with no heresy, nothing untrue, uh, an effective and honest representation of a benediction. 
and I think in in that respect, it it should receive high marks. If you ask me, yeah, I want to say uh, so. Uh, let's let's put that aside for just a second. I do want to say a, a little bit about the context. Just again, not necessarily as a way that influenced my rating too much, but musically speaking, I just want to say some things about the music. And if you watch this music video, this song is 12 minutes long. And um, it is, the way this song is presented is a collection of worship cliches in in strength and number that I don't know that I've seen. We've got a low chorus and then an octave chorus. We've got cliched phrases, amen, that sort of thing, uh, builds, crescendos, acapella moments, uh, and a boatload of repetition. I mean, this song is probably the most repetitive song I think I've ever heard. Um, you know, amen, 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 amen. You know, a to a thousand generations. <laughs> <laughs> well said. You know? Can I add one thing yeah, to that ahead. too? I found it a little disappointing that the things that were repeated were the amens, which I have nothing against repeating amen. That's fine. But we have some scripture at the beginning, which could be, I mean, this is a blessing, right? We could, we could repeat that. Um, But instead there's a lot of musical virtuosity, some, uh, some repetition of this chorus. And I found it to be actually quite distracting the, the build. I yeah. actually found I was paying more attention to the music than the words where it was like, I could tell what they were doing when they got really quiet and then they started building up and I was like, I know where this is going. You know, I I've listened to rock and roll before. Like I know yeah. what they're going to do with this. Um, yeah, I, I found the performance interesting too. kind of, if you needed to distill evangelical worship music into evangelical praise and worship music into one song this might be it It, yeah there's there's a monologue at the beginning that kind of fades into the music and i don't know is there a prayer in the middle with the music going behind it i don't think there is that but i've seen that before um but yeah there's a lot of tropes and i don't say that to criticize anyone who does this but observation it's kind of like when you notice certain things about your culture and you name them or document them or, or state them clearly you're not necessarily criticizing the culture. You're just saying, yeah. oh yeah, you know, uh, some people eat steaks with ketchup, you know. Some crazy people, but yes. So Tyler, that gets us to the number. What is the rate of this song? <laughs> this is a tough one. It's, <laughs> it's a tough one. It's it's an unorthodox song with orthodox text for the most part. I'm going to give it four out of five surprise tenors. Four out of five surprise tenors. <laughs> and the reason is because... I hadn't. I, I had not heard uh, Cody Carnes yeah, no, sing he, before. He looks like he's not going to have a tenor. He, beardy. yeah. He well, he he's not just bearded. He also looks like he's pretty tall. Yeah. Um, maybe the taller, one of the tallest guys on the stage. But then he starts singing, and he's just got a tenor voice, and it took me by surprise. It, it it's a very nice voice, very oh, yeah. smooth and clean. But it took me by surprise. Yeah, but it, he. I mean, he's not quite to the level of the guy that is in the pentatonics but no but you know he when you see the guy that's in the pentatonics you think okay oh you know he could he could kind of have a voice like that but yeah not uh not the dude with the beard that was kind of big yeah that was a little bit surprising the guy with the guy in the pentatonics might rightly be a counter tenor 
which is yeah, I, I bet he like is. Yeah, an alto range, but right. on a man. I think you're right. He's his his upper range is insane. What did you give it, Colin? I gave also gave it a four. Just just a four. No oh, num- number quantifier. No, no, this four time. out of five. Four out of five. Sharks jumped because this worship song, the performance of this song was, in my view, so so many cliches and so many tropes that it it was kind of too much. I actually wondered if you couldn't really see the um, the audience, um, but I just had to wonder if there was a point at which, like the uh, you know, in the eleventh minute or twelfth minute, that the even the hyped up crowd at, at this church were kind of like, oh, okay, okay, we get it, <laughs> you know, all right. And so jumping the shark is a phrase that goes back to um, happy days when they pull this stunt and it was a, you know, it was just a way to kind of add some, you know, just like it was the show going too far basically. And it indicated that the show had kind of lost its magic. <laughs> and I just kind of felt that way about this. I thought, you know, after 10, 15 years of music being like this in the church, this seemed like a moment when it just overdid it. Well, and it's some of the same voices too, with Carrie Job singing right. this opening, uh, or not opening, but when she's singing this song, it's hard not to think of the Revelation song, right. which we've done on this on this podcast, where it opens, it's very subtle, and yeah. we have this lone voice. But at that point, love. it was new. Right. right. That really captured people because they hadn't heard a lot of things like this. That was way back in... 2010 or 2011 or something but here we are yeah later well thanks everyone for listening to another episode of the worship review we encourage you to check through our back catalog those episodes we hope are helpful to you as much as this one was and we also encourage you to share this podcast with your friends really grateful for those of you especially in south africa that have been sharing this podcast with your friends incredible to see the growth in listenership there so we wish you all well and uh yeah ask you to continue to support the show listen and we hope that what we're doing is helpful yep and please don't be uh arrogant with your friends if they like a song and we gave it low (laughs) reviews don't show up and say wow you have to listen to this because you're wrong about this song in fact if they if they do listen and disagree uh, i'd encourage you to you know share that with us so we can know uh, how to improve the show let us know what we got wrong too all right take care if that's even possible it's not possible goodbye You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at anchor.fm slash theworshipreview and patreon.com slash theworshipreview. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.